Welcome to the Future of Agriculture podcast, the show that explores the people, companies, and ideas that are shaping the future of agribusiness. Innovation, resourcefulness, and collaboration are essential for feeding a growing population, and we believe the agriculture industry is up for the challenge. Please welcome your host, Tim Hammerich. Hello, and how's it going? Thank you so much for downloading this episode of the Future of Agriculture podcast. If this is your first episode ever of the show, welcome. Glad you're here. My name is Tim Hamrich. I'm an agribusiness recruiter. It's my pleasure to bring you these stories every week of the people, companies, and ideas shaping the future of agriculture. This show is a proud part of the Farm and Rural Ag Network, so if you enjoy ag podcasts or vlogs or blogs, head over to farmruralag.com and check out some other good ones. We are in the middle of our series called Accelerating Ag Tech. In this series, we're checking out some interesting and innovative startups in the world of agriculture, but also the uh, accelerator programs and other resources that they've been able to tap into to be successful. The idea here is not only for all of us to gain some insights into what's going on in the startup world and agriculture, but also those of us who are entrepreneurial and have considered uh, starting up a company of our own, we can better understand the resources that people are using to find success in their own ventures. And I think that can be significant on multiple levels. Uh, today's guest is Dr. Martin Gross. Uh, Dr. Martin Gross is the co-founder as well as president of Gross When Technologies. And this is actually an algae farming startup, which is extremely interesting. And, and I, I think you're going to really get a kick out of how they are using their technology, which allows uh, them to grow algae more efficiently to clean up wastewater. And some of Dr. Martin Gross's ideas about where this efficient algae production technology could go in the future. Uh, I'm not going to tell it for him. I'm going to let him tell it to you himself. Here is my interview with Dr. Martin Gross. He starts off by describing at a high level what is Gross Wind Technologies. Enjoy. So Gross One Technologies uh, uses microalgae to recover nitrogen and phosphorus from wastewater. So you may or may not be aware, but um, there's, there's significant pollution occurring in the United States uh, from nitrogen and phosphorus, ultimately resulting in, in maybe the biggest uh, issue is this hypoxic zone that's down at the Gulf Coast annually. Um, this is because nitrogen and phosphorus are leaving, um, it, leaving our our farmlands and our cities ending up in natural waterways, ultimately going down to the Gulf Coast in a lot of the cases. Um, and because of this issue, um, point source polluters, um, these are industries or cities that are, are discharging water into the environment. These point source polluters are getting stricter nitrogen and phosphorus discharge limits. So cities that previously didn't have to control their nitrogen or phosphorus levels leaving uh, their facilities are now having to, um, which, is, which is a major challenge for, for a lot of cities. For example, here in Iowa, um, the 100 largest cities are getting something called total nitrogen, total phosphorus limits. Well, these cities didn't have the, don't have the infrastructure in place today to meet those permits, so they're going to have to invest in new technologies to treat the water better than they are today. This challenge for, for municipalities or, or, or even some industries are discharging into the environment. 
these, these challenges are really an opportunity for our company. And what our company uses is algae to recover this nitrogen phosphorus from the water. So the cities that are getting new permits can now adopt our system instead of some of the conventional approaches to clean this water. Um, conventionally, uh, you would use bacteria or chemicals to clean nitrogen and phosphorus from water. Um, but what we're using is algae. And the major advantage of algae compared to bacteria or chemicals is instead of producing a bacterial sludge or a chemical sludge, um, which, are, which are produced in, in, in the other processes, when you use algae to clean the water, you're creating algae biomass. So, you know, we're, we're really a water treatment company first. So cleaning the water is very important. But then the, the, the co-product that's produced when we treat water is algae biomass. And this algae can be used to make anything from fertilizers to bioplastics to biofuels. So instead of having a cost to dispose of the chemical sludge or the bacterial sludge that is produced in the water treatment plants, we're producing algae that's a value. Um, so there's essentially a revenue stream that's created at these, these communities um, or industries uh, when they clean their water. And when, whenever uh, I've heard in the past about this hypoxic zone at the Gulf of Mexico, usually it's, it's being attributed to uh, runoff of, of fertilizer and, and phosphorus uh, from farmland. But you're, but you're saying actually there's a good chunk of that that's coming from municipalities, or is that just because um, they're, they can be regulated easier? Yeah, it, the, the reason why the permits are being focused towards them today is because this is the easy target. Hmm. You know, there's, there's truly a pipe that you can, you know, you can clean that out. It's not thousands or millions of acres that you have to, to regulate. So I think this is the first step um, to improving that. I'm not saying that the, uh, that farmland doesn't contribute more, more or less than these, but this is, the, this is the easy target to start with. I see. And from municipalities, is that coming in the form of like human excrement, this, this nitrogen and phosphorus, or where, where's it coming from to understand, you know, we're, we're so blessed in this country to kind of not think about where all the waste goes, but I'm just curious about um, the stuff that your, that your technology can help uh, clean up this, this uh, nitrogen and phosphorus, where's it originating from? Yeah. Yeah. So when you wash your hands, when you flush the toilet, all that goes to your city's water treatment plant. So every city, large or small, uh, basically has a wastewater treatment plant. So, yep, uh, it comes from, her, from when you flush the toilet. It comes from when you cut up vegetables and put them down your, uh, your food processor or your uh, garbage disposal. All that water flowing out of your house goes to the water treatment, wastewater treatment facility. Um, in addition to that, there's a lot of industries. So if you have a... Um, Let's say a food, there's a lot of food processing industry in the Midwest. Well, all that water um, during the processing either goes to their own water treatment plant or goes to the city's treatment plant. And is your technology something a, a city wastewater treatment plant would buy to use in addition to what they're already using? I imagine they have to clean the water using various processes and then yours specifically would be geared towards pulling out this nitrogen and phosphorus. Is that correct? That's right. That's right. A lot of these treatment plants are, are created to remove the carbon, or we call it BOD, from the water. So that's what the current infrastructure is there to do. Um, it's not there to remove total nitrogen and total phosphorus. So our system would be a simple bolt-on solution to these existing plants. Their existing infrastructure does the work it needs to do today, but it doesn't meet the new permits. 
Hmm. So yeah, ours is a simple bolt-on solution that can either go on the front end or the back end of their treatment process to help them meet their new permits. And let's back up here a little bit. Uh, tell us about your background and sort of how uh, Grosswind Technologies got started. Yeah, so my background is, is I'm a native Iowa. I went to Iowa State University and uh, I've got my PhD in ag and biosystems engineering as well as food science and technology. And during my PhD work, I uh, myself and my partner, Gio Wen, who was my major professor at the university, we invented a new way to, use, to grow microalgae. And we actually invented this technology not to clean water. Our initial focus was to find a low-cost way to grow algae to make biofuels out. Well, the reality is, is that biofuels sell for a very low amount, and you really can't make money today uh, producing biofuels out of algae. I do believe down the road you will be able to, but there needs to be some innovation to allow that to occur. So we uh, developed our technology at the university, originally for creating biofuels, but what we really made was a very efficient way to grow algae. This is called the Revolving Algal Biofilm System, or RAB. And there's a, and we, were, we got the technology patented uh, earlier this year. So uh, being a university, you know, a graduate student at that time, we, we invented the technology. We did a lot of research with it. And when I went to graduate, um, we decided we would try to commercialize this system. So we applied for uh, something called SBIR grants, or they're called Small Business Innovative Research Grants. And they're most of the major federal agencies like USDA, NSF, DOE, all these agencies have SBIR programs, and they're really like uh, the government's seed capital uh, for performing innovative research. So we took our idea that we developed at Iowa State, and we applied to some of these grants, and we were really successful. So we won three USDA SBIR grants to take our technology from a university, you know, it's, we had pilot prototypes, but it really wasn't ready for anything to be commercialized. And we took it and we made it, uh, we partnered with different organizations and we really, uh, with help of these, these grants from the federal government, we're able to take it and bring it to something that's a commercial product. That's today. And so was this, uh, your, your PhD work was on specifically this, right? The research you did as a PhD student? Yeah. Yep. So my professor, Professor Wen, had previously done some biofilm work, algae biofilm work when he was at Virginia Tech. And I really just built on that uh, work. So I went to Iowa State. So Professor Wen came from Virginia Tech to Iowa State, uh, where I met him and got my PhD with him. And he had, uh, was one of the really early pioneers in algae biofilm cultivation systems. And that's what our system is. I just took this fundamental research that he had done and made it um, into this revolving algae biofilm system, which is a new way to, to grow algae on this biofilm, which has a lot of advantages. And so because you were working through the university as you developed this, did they have any kind of uh, right to that intellectual property or how does that part work? Yeah, so most, most universities in the United States have um, – an organization that deals with intellectual property that's developed at the university. So any publicly funded research that goes through the university is owned by the university. And each university has their own way they divvy out the, the 
the royalties going from that research um, to, to the inventors or the different departments at the university. But yes, most, but all universities, to my knowledge, is they have an organization. Iowa State's is the Iowa State, uh, Iowa State University Research Foundation deals with all the intellectual property. So if something's developed at the university, this ISURF uh, group at Iowa State will go and apply for that patent for you. Hmm. And they will own that patent. And then they will also license and distribute that patent to the general public. Um, and then the inventors could uh, get royalties off of this. And that's, and that's one model that's, that's here at Iowa State. And what we actually did, um, being the inventors of the technology, the university owns it, um, but our company, Grosswind Technologies, actually licensed it from the university. So we do pay the university royalties on our sales as well. Um, but uh, that's just one of the models. So there's, there's a lot of effort going on at, at, at taking the technologies from universities because they are a big technology creating epicenter, especially um, you know, technology, engineering, and science-based ones like Iowa State University. They take, uh, there's a lot of interest in finding ways to take the technologies that are developed at these universities and bringing them out to the real world. So the way that Iowa State does that is they have um, ISURF, which, which helps protect the technology, but then organizations like the Iowa State Startup Factory. And what this is, is inc it's an incubator for, um, for students or faculty at the university to take technologies that maybe they invented, maybe someone else invented, and develop a business case for them. So, so basically, the university has a, a licensor uh, already ready, already to take a technology and go to try to commercialize it. So um, what these, this organization, Iowa State, the startup factory does is teach scientists and engineers like, like myself, who has never taken a business class, um, take us and go through this and give you really a rough business training and learn how to own and operate a company and then how to successfully create a technology. Yeah. And that kind of brings me to my next question. Uh, uh, for you, you know, you're obviously, uh, you and Dr. Wen, you're onto something, you know, you have a good innovation here. And there, it sounds like there already is an infrastructure in place where somebody else could commercialize it and you would still collect some sort of royalty from it. Well, what made you want to be the one to go through all this of learning the business and, and growing the business yourself? Yeah, so I, I grew up in an entrepreneurial family. My dad's an entrepreneur, um, a little different style. So he was a general contractor to build houses, but I had a taste for that. Um, and I just really thought of this as an opportunity when I graduated with my PhD. I knew I could get a job, um, but why not try to do this now is, is, is what I thought is. Why not try to do this when I'm already a poor college student um, trying to go through um, and actually make a company out of it. And frankly, we had a really good opportunity. We already had been validated that this was a good idea. And it just, it just took the effort to go through the startup process. And fortunately for us is there's this great infrastructure at Iowa State, um, with this Iowa State Startup Factory. There's another entity called the Ag Startup Engine, which are just really a great group of mentors and, and courses that you can take to learn how to start up a company. And yeah, go ahead. No, I was going to ask you, you mentioned, get it, you mentioned already having it validated. Talk, talk to, talk to us about that. How, how did you, I mean, this seems like a really complicated idea. You're selling 
a product to these very large municipalities. I imagine there's a lot of uh, hardware involved. I have seen a video of how it works. And, and for those of you uh, listening, maybe, maybe Martin, you could paint us a better picture. But to me, it looked like it, it almost looks like a water wheel uh, of, of film that the algae grows on and it kind of passes in and out of the water. Um, so I guess I got a lot of questions wrapped up in one, but uh, number one, it, it, can you describe the technology for everybody for, for kind of how it looks? And then also how did you validate this? Yeah. So, so the technology is, is actually pretty simple. So what it is, is a series of vertically oriented conveyor belts. You could think of a, of a treadmill that's pointed straight up where these vertical conveyor belts are slowly rotating, very slowly rotating into a liquid, and that liquid is, is wastewater in our case, and that liquid um, has nitrogen and phosphorus and water. So the algae needs really five things to grow. It needs nitrogen, phosphorus, water, sunlight, and CO2, the carbon dioxide. So these vertical belts are slowly rotating into a liquid where a very small amount of the belts submerge in the liquid, and it gets water and nitrogen and phosphorus from the liquid. Because algae is like uh, any other plant, like corn or soybean, where it needs nitrogen and phosphorus to grow. You think of algae as a microscopic plant. And so it gets its nitrogen, phosphorus, and water from, from the liquid, where a little bit of that belt, the bottom of the belt, is submerged in the liquid. But a majority of that belt is exposed to the open air. And so you could think of the bottom of the conveyor belt submerged in the water, majority of it's out in the open air. And the reason why it's in the open air is because it needs carbon dioxide. So instead of trying to dissolve carbon dioxide into the water, we bring the algae out of the water and it gets direct contact with the carbon dioxide. Hmm. Also, it needs sunlight. So instead of trying to get the sunlight through the depths of the water, again, we bring the algae out of the water and it, the algae is attached on these belts and the algae get direct contact with that sunlight and CO2 which really enhances the growth of the system. So again, this is called the revolving algal biofilm system. And you can think of it as vertically oriented conveyor belts that grow algae on the surface of them. Pretty simple system, but they achieve a lot of, uh, achieve a very high algae productivity in a very small footprint. It seems like there'd be quite a bit of energy involved in, in, a, in a system like that. Is that true? Well, you, you, Sure, there is energy involved with rotating a conveyor belt. So you, you do have a motor, you're moving this belt. It is very slow. So, um, you know, it's, it's relative. If you're comparing it to conventional algae systems or other wastewater treatment systems, um, you're having to pump air into the water continuously. And that's actually much more intensive to pump air than it is to rotate a conveyor belt. So it is actually a very energy you know, uh, efficient process, even though you are continually rotating that belt. The other energy intensive part about algae culture is how do you separate that algae from the water? So in conventional ways to grow algae, you're not growing it on a biofilm attached to the surface of a material. In most systems, you're actually growing algae suspended in the liquid and you have to separate microscopic cells hmm. that, are, that are floating around liquid and that's very energy intensive. So because you have to send it through a centrifuge or a membrane filter. Um, compared to our system, which is on these vertical conveyor belts, you simply just scrape that algae off of the belts, and it's already got a water content as post-centrifuged algae. So there, you know, if, you, if you add those two advantages together of, of not having to pump air into the water and the simple harvest, it actually is very energy efficient. 
Makes sense. Yeah. And, and could you go back to kind of how you uh, validated this idea to where you felt comfortable kind of going out and, and raising funds for it? Yeah. So it's kind of an interesting story. We, uh, like I said, we originally invented the technology to grow algae at low cost to make biofuels. Um, and we, we uh, were at Iowa State University at this time. And uh, one thing that a lot of people at the university go to is conferences. So there's actually a, an algae biomass conference. Yeah, and sounds like a good time. It's, it's a great time. <laughs> 500 people throughout the world are, are coming and talking about algae research. And when, when Professor Wen and myself were at this conference, I believe it was 2013, we met to a couple fellows from the city of Chicago, the city of Chicago Water Reclamation District. And what these guys were out doing um, is at that time, the city of Chicago knew that they were going to have to improve uh, their phosphorus and nitrogen levels that they were discharging. And, they, and, and the leadership there um, decided that what better way and more sustainable and environmentally friendly way to recover this nitrogen and phosphorus and truly recover and reuse it is what their focus is. What a better way than algae. So they sent out their two leading researchers from the city of Chicago to look throughout the world for algae systems to uh, effectively recover nitrogen and phosphorus out of the water. I met these two fellows at this algae biomass summit and it made sense to them right away. Some of the advantages of our system, the way that we can simply harvest the algae, the way that we deliver sunlight and CO2 made sense to them. And they actually decided that our system, out of all the systems that they, they looked at, was the most efficient way to grow algae and treat water and was the best possibility for success with the city of Chicago. And the city of Chicago is the largest water treatment district. It's actually not the city, it's the city of Chicago. It's this they call it the Metropolitan Water Reclamation District of Greater Chicago, the largest water treatment district in the world. And they really pride themselves as being one of the innovators in water treatment technologies. So for us, the way that it was validated for us is the world leader in water treatment decided that our system was the best one to treat wastewater. And that really pushed us in that direction and was a huge validation for what we're trying to do. And then you ultimately did a pilot project with them? Yeah, so we actually have been... Uh, piloting with the city of Chicago for uh, about two and a half years now. So we went through a few phases of piloting. Um, they were actually looking at a few technologies at first, and now they're only looking at our system. Um, and, and Chicago's kind of, uh, they, they looked at this thing as the long picture. You know, the, look at the long haul on this. Is They want to use algae, but they understand that the technologies need to be developed. So we've been working with them for about two years now, evaluating improving our system to fit such a large city's needs uh, for recovering uh, nitrogen and phosphorus. And can you give us an idea of, of the effectiveness? And I, I don't know what the right units are, but how much nitrogen and phosphorus can be removed by, by one of these systems? And, and how many, you know, at that rate, how many of your systems would a city like Chicago need uh, to, to lower the levels as low as they need to go? Yeah, yeah, that you know, that's a really good question and one I really can't provide the answer to. And the reason is because um, each city is actually very different on what their wastewater coming out of their existing process looks like, but also what their permit levels are. Hmm. So that's kind of challenging to say. What I can say is that we've looked at wastewaters that were, are very concentrated or very dilute 
in each one of these wastewaters, we've been able to achieve 95 plus percent removal of whatever pollutant that we're looking at. That's total nitrogen, total phosphorus, ammonia, or CBOD. Our system can remove the almost detection limit level nitrogen and phosphorus levels. So although I can't, you know, it's, it's hard to give you an exact size for a certain city, um, it is very efficient on a wide variety of wastewater streams that we've tested. Okay. Uh, Martin, every episode I have at least one question that I just know is going to sound really dumb, but I have to ask. Uh, and this, is, this may not be the first one even on this interview that I've asked, but, but here's one. <laughs> um, how, uh, how do you get the algae started? Is there, is there like an algae inoculant? Um, I don't know anything about growing algae. So uh, these films, uh, you put these films in the water. What do you put on them so that you know the right algae will grow? Right. Right, so that's actually not a bad question at all. So, um, no problem there. There's, there's two different trains of thoughts here. So for algae cultivation, you can either do something called a monoculture or a single species. So you can find a species that has certain characteristics that you like um, and then try to be very clean and grow that that's one species of algae. Um, the challenge with that is all the wild or native species of algae that might already be occurring in the air or in the water around the system overtake it. It's like weeds growing in a cornfield. If you, if you don't spread Roundup in your, in your field, you, you are going to grow weeds in it, right? Mm -hmm. Well, algae systems don't have that technology developed yet. I think it will be developed someday, but there's not any way to control the weeds. When I say weeds, I say native strains of algae. So, um, because there's a challenge to grow one species of algae, specifically on a wastewater, which is inherently dirty, um, we allow, we don't try to dictate the species that grow. We allow the native species of algae, the ones that we already are growing on the rocks and in the rivers and in the streams and, and wherever we're growing, we allow those native species, which are already present in the wastewater, to grow on our biofilm. Essentially, what we're doing is creating an environment that promotes algae growth. So we actually don't even seed or inoculate our system. We allow the native species to do that. Hmm. Now, if you think about, um, you know, this is, this is actually really, you know, this is just like what happens in nature. So the way that nature deals with nitrogen and phosphorus in the water, it grows algae, right? So if nitrogen and phosphorus get into the water, at a certain level, algae starts growing, and that's how the nature deals with, with reducing that nitrogen and phosphorus in the water. What we essentially do is we industrialize what nature's already doing and grow algae in a controlled manner at the water treatment plant before it goes into the environment. And do you, ha do you have to worry about sort of invasive, um, invasive species of either algae or bacteria that are also going to like those conditions and kind of um, you know, disrupt what you're trying to do? Yeah, so a lot of the problems associated with algae are algae decomposing and they release toxins and you maybe heard of toxic algae blooms. Yeah. Um, but as long as we, and you also might think of algae as smelling like bad. If you walk around a farm pond or something, you might smell, you know, this foul odor and that's, that's microorganisms decomposing. Um, but really when we grow algae and we keep the biofilms healthy, we keep the algae healthy. We don't have the issues with invasive or bad species taking over. Um, yeah, so we don't have that problem. Huh. 
This is interesting. I know I know you mentioned both Ag Startup Engine and the uh, uh, Iowa State University Startup Factory. Um, I'm going to try to get a representative from both of those entities on on uh, what we call our follow-up Friday, our mini episodes every Friday to talk about their program. But I would just love to hear from your point of view, um, how do you feel like they have impacted your business the most? Well, the way that they've impacted us is, is the, the network. So a lot of these accelerators, um, they bring in mentors that have experience. And for me, uh, that's been the biggest advantage of being a part of either each one. For example, in the Iowa State Startup Factory, they bring successful businessmen or investors into class every day where they're teaching you a certain topic about a successful business. And it's coming from someone that's truly ran a successful business. Um, the other cool thing that happened for us in the Iowa State Startup Factory is we, we met our angel investor. Our angel investor um, was one of the mentors in the Iowa State Startup Factory, a guy named Dave Furbush. Uh, and he just, he just recently had sold his business and was looking for the next opportunity and thought that water quality and using algae to, to solve that was interesting. So for us, the huge advantage is, is of these accelerators is, is the network that you get, in, get plugged into from people that have been through and done it, but also for people like me who's, who hasn't had any formal business training is getting a, a true crash course on how to run a company. And uh, on the algae side yourself, I know you said that the, those kind of markets are still being developed. Um, of of uh, the algae you're producing currently, where is it going and, and where do you think the market will be in the future? Yeah, so the algae that we're producing right now, um, we're using to make slow-release algae-based fertilizers. Um, so that's actually a product that we process and make ourselves. Um, and really what it is is the algae comes off our process and we put it through a simple pelletization process. And this, this algae is actually a very good fertilizer for horticultural crops, flowers, and, and, and lawns, and turf, the turf management uh, industry. Um, so that's where we are today. Um, there's also markets for taking that, that algae and making bioplastics out of it. Or uh, down the road, I believe that there will be biofuels made from algae. But again, the, the value of, uh, or the selling point of a biofuel is just so low, low price that it's hard to make money and do that today. Um, at the end of the day, though, our company has a algae growing platform. I mentioned that we originally invented the technology to grow algae at a low cost. Um, and there's other ways to make money with algae other than just cleaning water. So although our primary function of our business today is, is, is creating clean water using algae, our system itself can be used to make a variety of different things, including high value algae products that can be made into the supplement market or human food. And, and so, yeah, because what, what your business really is, is you are in the algae production business. That's right. That's right. If, if I told you what our true strength of our company is and our technology, it's to grow algae efficiently. And how do you make money or how do you have a successful business with algae? In my eyes, there's two ways today and that is to clean water or to produce high value algae products. So cool. Well, Martin, as you think about the future of Grosswind Technologies, uh, what gets you most excited? Well, I think that, you know, for us, you know, where we started at was, was creating biofuels from algae. And I would love for this thing to go full circle. And, you know, could you think about a more sustainable, environmentally friendly way um, to produce biofuels 
other than to clean water while you're doing it. And I think that's, you know, if I was to hope and, and have one target, it's to eventually use our algae system to clean water, to clean the nitrogen phosphorus out of water, but then take that algae and make a biofuel out of it. And, and I just think that's a great cycle that we, we have the ability to do with our unique technology. And as far as uh, business model, I meant to ask this earlier, then uh, you got me all excited with the algae production talk. But as far as far as business model with the with the wastewater, is it such that they would pay for the technology and then an ongoing service basically to harvest the algae? Yeah. So so what we do is we sell a technology either to a municipality or industry that needs to clean water. And this is a completely automated system um, where the algae grows on these belts and it's automatically harvested and collected. And then we provide an offtake agreement for these municipalities to, to take the algae off their hands. Because um, most cities at the end of the day aren't in the business of peddling algae. So we take the algae off their hands, market, market it, and we either process it or uh, sell it to someone that will process the algae into a saleable product. And then we profit share back with the communities. Hmm. So we provide that offtake agreement so they don't need to worry about how to deal with selling algae. We do that for them. Great. Well, Dr. Martin Gross, founder and president of Grosswind Technologies. Thank you so much for being on the show. This is really interesting. Just to, uh, I, I did get a chance to watch that YouTube video you all have posted of how the system sort of looks. And I'll make sure I include that in the show notes. If somebody wants to learn more or reach out to you, is there, is there a way we can give them to uh, learn more about Grosswind Technologies? Yeah. So our website, uh, gross-wen.com, as a, as a contact us area, uh, we are really good about answering questions from there. So if someone's interested, shoot a, shoot a, a question through our, through our website and definitely can connect that way. All right. Well, thank you so much, Martin, for being on the show. I really appreciate this. Yep. Thanks for having me. Very big thank you to Dr. Martin Gross for being on the show and talking some algae farming. I think it's pretty interesting stuff. And as uh, we can develop new technologies such as Grosswin is working on, we can start to look at what on a commercial scale algae can do, whether that may be fuel or feed or fertilizer. Uh, I think there are probably a lot of untapped potential options there for algae if we can grow as efficiently as, as Grosswin is able to do now. So I hope you enjoyed that and thank you again to Dr. Gross for being on the show. I have a serious request of you, if I may. Uh, we have done several of these follow-up Friday episodes. It, they're only five minutes long. Uh, I don't know how much value they have, and I would love to hear your take on that. So please, on Twitter, I'm at Tim Hamrich. If you're not on Twitter, Tim at aggrad.com. Shoot me just a little note to let me know if you are finding value in Follow Up Friday. It, you know, it is a lot of work to do, even though it's a five-minute episode, to do a whole other extra episode every week. So if it's not worthwhile for you, I would sure like to know that. Um, also, Last week, I finally got back in the habit of reading an iTunes review. And so we have another one here. This is from cow underscore Ted, who says, excellent ag podcast. This is my favorite ag podcast. Awesome, cow Ted. Thank you. I'm a little bit of an information nerd and love that this podcast is very informative. Cool. Uh, please keep up the good work and looking forward to the next 100 episodes. Cow, 
Ted, thank you so much. Appreciate that. If you have not taken the 30 seconds to hop on iTunes, leave us a rating and review. I would sure appreciate it. It's really the only sort of payback I ask for in this show so that we can help spread the word and get these stories out there because I think this is the story that we need to be telling about agriculture, that we are looking at the science and the technology. We are developing the next generation of entrepreneurs. We are looking at ways to be more sustainable and to help people become more food secure. Those are the stories I like to tell, and I would love it if you'd help me spread the word. Thanks so much. We'll be back next week to continue our series called Accelerating Ag Tech. Thank you for listening to the Future of Agriculture podcast with Tim Hammerich. Visit futureofag.com, that's futureofagag.com today to get connected into careers in the agriculture industry. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next week. Oh, 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 oh,